But again, I was going somewhere, right? And I think it, there's a lot of mindset work that goes into this. And it's something that we've been having to incorporate more and more and more and more and more into our patient work because people are like expecting that this is going to be like a tomorrow thing. It's not. Mm -hmm. And don't forget, friends, that when we treat an infection, we open the infection back up, right? So actually, if you're feeling worse, it actually means we're probably getting at those like deep pockets of infection and, you know, pop problems behind the scenes. Hey, welcome to the Love Your Gut podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Finley. I know what you're thinking. How am I supposed to love my gut when all it does is hold me back? I thought the same thing before I found my own relief from my own gut health issues. I dedicated my life to getting to the bottom of my own gut issues so I could help women just like you transform theirs. Now I'm here to guide you through your own gut health journey. We do this through identifying your root causes and making sustainable and transformational changes. As a result, you can unleash your true potential. My goal is to empower you with the information and tools you need to love your gut so it loves you back right here on this podcast. Welcome back to the next episode of the Love Your Gut Podcast. I'm so excited because today I have Isabel Smith on the podcast. So Isabel, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Heather. So fun to be here. Yeah, so fun. We've talked a ton on Instagram and this is the first time that we've actually like had a Zoom date. So it's fun to actually like see you in person versus just on Instagram. Likewise. And I was thinking about that today. I was like, we've been like Instagram friends. For a while, and I'm like, this is like our first date, and we have like a double date because we're recording on yours and mine. <laughs> I know, I love it. Well, why don't you just tell the listeners a little bit about you, why you do what you do, and kind of how you got here? So I'm like you, integrative and functional, and like to think about how we get to the root cause with helping people. And so we work in Isabel Smith Nutrition, which is my practice, um, on a variety of different stuff from gut health to thyroid hormone mold, which I think you and I are going to touch on. Um, and you know, I like to play health detective. I'm a dietitian, but I think I should have gone to medical school because I really love to just like roll up my sleeves and think about what's going on in the body from a systems perspective, you know, pathways really nerd out on, um, what's happening in my clients' bodies. And, you know, the kinds of clients that we work with are typically pretty complicated. So, um, it's, that is my joy. My joy is helping people. Um, seeing people heal is really super joyful and, you know, I've wanted to do this since I was 11. So um, I saw somebody speak at my school and she was had an eating disorder and was a dietitian and was like, I, you know, food plays a healing role in my, you know, journey and recovery. And I just had never thought about food as medicine. And I was remember sitting on the floor with my legs crossed in my fifth grade hormone classroom and being like, wow, that's amazing. I've never thought about food like that. So that sort of is like, you know, started my journey. And, you know, I've, you know, twist and turned and had lots of different things pop up and, you know, I am where I wanted to be. So, um, what's really fun is being able to connect with people like you. Yeah, honestly, it's so fun. I feel like the world of Instagram itself has just, you know, brought tons of practitioners like us together. And it's cool that now I have friends kind of really all over the globe, which is really cool. So um, today we're going to talk about mold, which I haven't talked much about on the podcast. So I'm really excited to introduce this topic to people. It's something that I get questions asked about all the time. And I shared recently that I was going through my own mold journey. And I think that's partially how we kind of connected, um, was realizing that we both had this in common. So I'd love to just first 
talk about what what are we talking about when we say like I have mold toxicity or I have trouble with mold or I'm I have mold poisoning you've heard people say that before like what are we actually talking about when we refer to that if someone is like wait you can have mold what does that mean yeah, no, it's a really good question because I think there's a, as we were talking about offline, there's a lot of confusion about it. So the bottom line is that, you know, about 25% of people don't have the enzymatic capability of breaking down mold in the body. Once we have been exposed or are exposed currently, we're living in a space that has mold, we have to actively break down the mold in our bodies so that it doesn't build up. Mold loves warmth, wet, damp with lots of food. So think about, <laughs> yuck, think about the <laughs> of your body, it's a swamp, right? And so actually, once you have been exposed, if you are one of those lucky people who can't break it down, you may have mold growing in your body, which can look a number of ways from a symptom perspective. So tell us a little bit about some of the symptoms that someone could experience. And this is a caveat here is we are not diagnosing you with anything. And just because you have these symptoms is not confirming that you in fact have mold. So don't leave this episode paranoid. But what are some of the symptoms that you see with people struggling with mold? It's a wide variety. So often they'll have a lot of histamine intolerance. That's one of the biggest I find. Um, persistent trouble with weight loss. They might have quickly gained weight, fatigue, trouble sleeping, insomnia, more anxiety, mood stuff, depression, etc. Feels can feel worsened. Um, you know what else comes to mind? It's mostly in the histamine family. Food allergies, food sensitivities. You know, chronic candida um fungal overgrowth issues which sometimes can be completely silent i know for me it was totally silent that piece of things but that's typically within the family um you just feel like garbage really mm -hmm. if you're having a lot of trouble with it and you're full of it yeah i can agree to the feeling like garbage um and kind of wondering like what the heck is going on like why am i dragging myself out of bed in the morning i've never been like this before what is going on so tell us a little bit about your story with mold how did you discover that you had mold and you know you don't have to go into all the details but like why does this hit home for you yeah so um that's a good question and i'm always happy to spill details you know <laughs> the more you know the more you know um so for me it was 2018 um we were still living in new york city and uh we were moving from an apartment on the 15th floor to apartment on the 16th floor i had actually had trouble sleeping so i like to move lots of places within the same buildings i lived on the 14th floor then they renovated i moved to 15 then they renovated i moved to 16. so i lived on the 14th floor i slept really well life was good i felt really happy moved to 15 started to have trouble and these apartments are on top of each other okay so started to have more trouble sleeping um had at some point noted that there was a leak in my ceiling had it fixed didn't think much of it great they renovated the 16th floor apartment it was bigger brighter had a terrace i moved upstairs um at that point paul had moved in with me as well so we got upstairs it was april and probably into it took me about a year almost a year to notice that, you know, I just, I wasn't, I started to not feel great. Um, what I found out was that the apartment next to the 16th floor apartment that I had been sleeping under in 15 was a rent controlled apartment that had had tremendous leakage. And what happens in New York City in rent controlled apartments is they don't properly take care of them because they want the tenants out. So they do a lot of band aid work 
And I knew the person who lived in that apartment when I lived on 16 and it was, the floor was buckling. It was a mess. And I had lived underneath it. And that was where the leak had come from. So now I'm starting to put the pieces together. What really spoke to me was when I would leave that apartment. Now we're talking into the beginning of the pandemic. I had gained a lot of weight overnight. I was having a lot of like redness, facial facial redness, rapid heart rate, trouble sleeping, insomnia, a lot of anxiety kind of out of nowhere. Um, and again, I gained weight like pretty much what felt like overnight. When I'd leave the apartment, which was again, seldom because it was COVID and then come back, my face was purple. I was feeling super swollen. Um, I noticed tremendously when I would leave and then come back. And that is one of the hallmarks I always ask people, right? Is like, how do you feel when you leave your space? And how do you feel when you come back? Sometimes it's not as easy because it could be a past exposure. So, you know, I, I knew that something was wrong. I had the building come up and look at it. No, no, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Right. Of course. So, mm-hmm. you know, fast forward, we were going to move to, I was like, I'm done. We're going to move to an apartment down the street. We're sitting, eating dinner one night. And I had been watching the apartment, of course, because you watch everybody's apartments in New York City. Across the way, this lovely couple had moved out and they had started doing renovation. I knew what it looked like when they were living there. It looked like mine. It had nice white walls. There was like, looked brand new. Well, when these people moved out, they must have known that there had been a problem because they ripped the walls out and everything was black. It was black everywhere. Everywhere you could see was black, 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 the ceiling underneath all of what looked like nice white plaster. Oh my gosh. So I took the photo and sent it to the landlord. And I said, look, I highly doubt you're going to do anything about this, but I want you to know that I think this is what's happening in my apartment. You guys know that I've been complaining of not feeling well. Um, and I strongly believe that this, this is happening in my apartment too. Never heard anything from him, blah, blah, blah. So moved into the next apartment, which also had mold, um, a much, much less amount. And what was interesting is that my C4A, which is a complement lab, um, which will also often be looked at in cases of SIRS, which is chronic inflammatory um, sort of scenarios, um, uh, will be elevated. You know, lime, mold can elevate it. Other things can as well. So my C4A was really high, not high enough to be lime at that point in time. It was about 5,000. Um, but they told me it wasn't high enough for mold. Okay. Well, all of my labs were perfect, right? At this point, I was starting to have anaphylactic allergies that had brand new, had started to come up. And I was having so much histamine intolerance. So I went to a doctor friend of mine and I was like, look, here are my labs. Everything looks normal. I can tell you I don't feel well. My allergies look like nothing. My mold allergy looks like nothing, but I am really suffering. And he said, Isabel, I think, you know, you could have still a pretty dense mold population inside of your body that may not be showing up in blood work from the previous exposure. And I was like, what? You can have it even if you're out of the space. And he was like, yes, absolutely. It can grow inside you. So that was sort of like the aha moment. So from there, I did, you know, a, a mold urine test. Um, and it wasn't crazy high, but I also didn't provoke it. And I should have provoked it, but it was, it was enough, you know, it was, it was enough for me to know that it was positive. Um, and so I started doing treatment for it based on the species, you know, took various different clays, et cetera. And I started feeling better almost immediately. I started to lose weight pretty quickly. My allergies started to get better. My histamine intolerance symptoms started to get better. Um, and I was reading, did you read the book Toxic by Neil Nathan? I've read pieces of it. I haven't read it front to front to back, but I've, I have it it's on my shelf. <laughs> it's dense. The part that stuck out to me the most was the piece when he's talking about the fact that, um, 
you know, with mold and mold treatment and SIRS in general, the harder you push, it's like a boomerang, the harder you push, the harder it pushes back, right? And the more damage you're actually doing on your body. So we sort of want to arrive at that place from a treatment perspective where we like, you know, we get a little bit of pushback, but then we then we pull back. We don't keep pushing forward, which sometimes in gut work, you know, we're like, oh, it's going to get better in a couple of days, la, la, la. You know, we can push through here. And clients say to me all the time, just give it to me. Like, you know, give me the hardest thing. It'll be fine. And, and this kind of work, I'm like, no, nope. Mm-hmm. This, this is actually going to be worse. So, you know, from there, things started to like really get better, you know, for me. And, and, you know, I, I did a, a, an intensive mold clean out and then also did an intensive antifungal protocol. Then I figured out I had Lyme disease. So therefore, you know, we then got to that level of Jumanji, but, um, <laughs> the, the mold piece, you know, was a huge one for me. Mm-hmm. Well, and I agree with you on the boomerang analogy because your body you can't force your body to detox any faster than it's capable of. And if you just overload your system, you're gonna feel like garbage. Um, and so and it's not doing you any favors, it's just making it harder on your system. So I totally agree with you. And we tend to see those clients too that are like, just put me through it. I just want this to be over and done with. And I'm like, that's not. That's not how this works. Um, I'm on a deadline. You're like, "Uh uh-huh. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing your story. I think it's really helpful. And we encounter that a lot. We have clients that live in water damaged buildings and maybe don't realize it until maybe they go on vacation for a week and they're like, wow, I felt so much better. You know, my nose wasn't stuffy. I didn't have rashes. You know, I wasn't having as many histamine symptoms. And I think the thought is, oh, well, I wasn't working, so I wasn't stressed or I was sleeping more. And certainly those things can help. But if it's like very significant, then it's something that might be worth looking into. I know that's kind of how I started. My spidey sense started tingling on my own. Um, last summer, we went to California for a month and I have an aura ring. And my heart rate variability was just in the gutter. And I was like blaming it on postpartum. You know, at that time I had like a six, seven month old baby and I'm like, well, you know, I'm still recovering, whatever. But we went to California for a month and my heart rate variability jumped like 20, 30 points, which is pretty significant. And I wasn't doing anything different besides being in a different environment. I was still working while we were there. I was still doing all the same things that I normally did. And then we got home and it went right back down. And I'm like, what is going on here? So if you have something like an aura ring and you're seeing patterns like that, that may be something to look at as well. Incredible! I didn't, I didn't even think about that. That's Mm -hmm. incredible. It was crazy. And you know, it was, it's kind of become a joke between my husband and I, but when we first moved into this house about three and a half years ago, I would always complain about the carpet in our bedroom. And it's one of the only rooms in the house that has carpet. And I'm like, this carpet is making me sick. And he's like, you just want the carpet out. And I'm like, well, I do, but I do think the carpet's making me sick. (laughs) And so every year for my birthday, he's like, what do you want for your birthday? And I'm like, I just want the carpet out. And (laughs) so then this year for my birthday, I was like, I truly do want the carpet out. And so I finally got the carpet out because our room was actually the source of the mold, which was interesting and the kids' bathroom. But um, but yeah, so, so crazy how you can mold? like... Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt no, you. No, you're good. The mold under the carpet? I don't know. Um, but there was mold somewhere in our room and there was also mold in the ductwork, which doesn't help because then it's blowing in your entire house. And then there was mold under the cabinet in our kids' bathroom. So, you know, fun times. Now we're renovating a bathroom that I 
did not intend to renovate, but <laughs> here we go. Gotta do it, right? Yeah, gotta do it for the kids, you know, of course. But you said something that I want to clarify for people that are listening that maybe this is a new concept. You said, I didn't provoke it. So tell us more about what you mean by that. Um, yeah. This is something that we will do for our clients. But if someone's listening and thinking like, what the heck, how do you provoke mold? Talk to us about that. Well, so first of all, I would not recommend treating yourself for mold yourself. Yes. Do not. Do not. I get people who are like, I'm going to DIY it. And I'm like, please don't do that. Okay. N not, not the gut work that Heather and I do. None of the nothing. People should not be doing this. Save your money, find somebody you want to work with, and then do it when you can. But anyway, back to the mold. Um, so like a lot of things, our bodies like to, you know, try to hide portions of toxicity and chemical exposure and stuff away. Our bodies like to sequester away what's dangerous, right? What's what what it doesn't want to see. So it packs these lovely nuggets in our fat cells right? It sequesters it away deep in the tissues. And so what we need to do in order to get a positive test often or get, get an accurate test is to, you know, invite that garbage out of the fat cells and into circulation really, and, and help you excrete it so that we can see what, what it really looks like. The person at the time who ran the test for me didn't give me any of this kind of information. Um, so I didn't, naturally do it and it was high but it wasn't crazy high um it depends on the client if the client's really suffering and i'm i know that they'll have trouble with compliance i won't provoke it and i'll just read it knowing that i didn't provoke it but when i can i do so how do we do that saunas glutathione you know well i guess one could use nac but i usually typically uh like glutathione better exercise before avoiding moldy foods before taking the test can be helpful but again I'll often just have people take it and I'll read it knowing, you know, what I did or didn't do. Um, but we want to get an accurate reading. So these are some of the ways that we can, we can do this. Yeah. So you're basically trying to stir it up in the body to say like, Hey, we want you to come out if you would allow yourself to. Yeah. Yes. If you're there, please show yourself. Yes. And this with mold, heavy metals, you know, et cetera. Um, we want to get it out of those bad cells. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us what the mold journey looked a bit more like you once, like for you, uh, once you started working on it, you said you did antifungals, you said you started doing some detox, you were working on it very gently, which is wise. So tell us kind of timeline on this, because I think it's helpful to set clear expectations on like what this could actually look like. Um, yeah. Since it's very much human nature to want the like exact protocol. Here's what you do three weeks and you're done. And that's not the case with mold or really gut issues or anything that you and I deal with. No, because it's an onion, right? So we start peeling the layers back and suddenly we notice that there's a lot more layers. So for me, actually, this part of it was not particularly long time-wise. Um, however, um, you know, I do have some clients who I have had on lower levels for longer periods of time because I couldn't get them up to where I know that they need to be because they feel so terrible when we take the dose up, which to me says there's more in there behind the scenes. So I, because I'm me and I generally also like to try things before I recommend them, um, you know, it, which is helpful as a practitioner, uh, as long as it is applies and is safe. But for me, um, what I started with is I use bentonite clay because the species of mold, you know, would work with, with bentonite. 
actually the practitioner at the time who recommended I had this like wacky allergist guy who's actually a super nice guy who was the one who recommended doing the mold test and you know we were kind of collabing and he was like why don't you take well call well call is one of the most poorly tolerated um drugs out there and I remember it was about three weeks before my wedding and I looked up the symptoms uh, the side effects of what well call could be and I'm like burping belching vomiting diarrhea nausea and I was like gee I could just envision myself in my white dress <laughs> oh my god at the altar like bridesmaids style you know like <laughs> that's what came into my head so I was like not doing that so I started doing some research I was like there's got to be another way right so I so I figured it out and and for me bentonite was was an option because I had a lot of ochratoxin uh from the water damage um and I also had some of the fungal species gilotoxin zeorelanone however we want to pronounce that where those were my three most um, I didn't have much aflatoxin and I didn't have some of the other species. So um, for me, the okra toxin would respond to the bentonite clay and the um, the other two needed an antifungal. Also, there's some really cool properties of very specific probiotics, Saccharomyces, Velarde, and Cerevisiae that I like to use as well. Um, probiotics are just so cool and highlights why you need specific strains for specific purposes like we always say you can't just you know like shoot blindly here so i started the bentonite clay i felt awful i was exhausted i felt like i was detoxing i, I was like but i was happy to have a reaction i was like this is great i know i'm doing something so what i would do um and i used the same when i titrated off of 20 years of adderall two years prior um, is I like would go up, you know, I started with one, you know, how do I feel? Blah, blah, blah. Okay. I feel terrible. And then it would even out and I'd start to feel normal. Okay. I'll go up to two, you know, it would even out, start to feel normal. Okay. I'll go up to three. And I did this until I was taking about three or four twice a day. And I basically stayed on it until I felt completely normal. And then I was like, okay, you know, no change, no change, no difference by me increasing the dose, which means, you know, generally means that like, we're good. We've got it. And so I then started to titrate off of it. Um, the Saccharomyces and some of the other stuff I still take today because I love them. Um, and they have benefit for me with this Lyme situation I have going on. Lyme and mold do often go together. Um, Lyme, mold, and long COVID often do go together. I was also... Round two of the podcast. That right? episode. <laughs> I was a lucky ducky who got long COVID as well, probably due to the Lyme disease situation. Um, but, you know, I have clients, like I said before, that... I've had on the clays on and off for a number of months because we just can't, they can't tolerate the detox. Behind the scenes, you know, I was a number of years into my own health journey because I'd had melanoma when I was 30 in 2018, had been on ADD meds for 20 years and knew something was wrong, got off of them, did some, did a, did a GI map test, had no gut symptoms, had H. pylori and some dysbiosis, so treated that. And then in the midst of this mold thing, I actually did the full cell core protocol, which is, and I did it to the max. They've actually brought the intensity down over time. I did like the most maximum um, and I did the durations for longer. So I believe that by the time I got to the mold and actually now to this Lyme thing that I'm doing, I've tolerated it excellently. And I think it's because I've done so much work, but guys, just to give you like a like a like a zoom out we're talking five years now that i've been doing all this stuff right and i think people can get super impatient and i'm noticing that our patients are super impatient people are super impatient and you gotta just really work on the mindset which is 
I'm working on getting better. My goal is to feel better and I'm just going to sit in it and I'm going to do the work until it's done. And that was really my mindset with the mold. I had no idea how long it was going to take, but I remember on my wedding day, taking my bentonite clay, you know, I was like committed to doing it. Right. And like, I just like did it. And I don't, this is sort of how I operate just in general. It's like, Mm -hmm. if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. Um, And it really paid off for me because this lime piece, which was really behind the scenes and probably what what started actually the whole thing in 2018, um, which was me thinking that the ADD meds that I was getting off of was causing all the brain fog and the weight gain was the mold and the lime because I'd had swollen joints in the fall of 2018 and didn't think anything of it. But every layer that we peel back, right, helps us get a little bit further forward towards where we wanna be. Hey there, I know you are absolutely loving this episode on gut health, but I have to interrupt to ask you a favor. If you have been enjoying the Love Your Gut podcast, the best way that you can support us is by leaving a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. Your ratings and reviews help us reach so many more people and spread the word about the importance of gut health. So go on over, hit a five-star rating and leave a review, letting others know how much you love the show and what your favorite episode was. I truly appreciate your support and can't wait to bring you more gut-loving content. I love that you shared this whole story and it just reminds me of kind of what we were talking about offline before I pressed record, which is kind of this urgency of getting better and this impatience. And it's hard when you don't feel good, you want to feel better ASAP and you want someone to tell you the exact plan. And it can be frustrating. I know from a client perspective, because both you and I have been in those situations where it's like, we address one thing and then another thing comes up and we find the other thing and then another thing. And so you kind of feel like you're playing whack-a-mole a little bit until you finally get to this place of calm. And so any tips or insight for the listeners on like how to deal with that and like why that's actually a good thing coming from a lot of people coming from this conventional model of like, you have this thing, you take this thing, you know, it's like very black and white. And I think in functional medicine, there's so much gray and there's just so much more detective work and digging and it can feel really frustrating, but that frustration can actually be a really good thing because it shows you're getting somewhere. So what are your thoughts on that? No, I mean, look, I think um, I had decided before I even started this that I was going to get somewhere, right? I had decided where I was going before I got, and that's, again, just me as a person, right? I'm not sure how I'm going to get there, but I'm going to get there, right? Um, And I knew that I could feel better than I did. And through that, I was able to sit through the discomfort of the full cell core protocol. And I can tell you, I felt like trash. I felt like trash. Um, But again, I was going somewhere, right? And I think there's a lot of mindset work that goes into this. And it's something that we've been having to incorporate more and more and more and more and more into our patient work because people are like expecting that this is going to be like a tomorrow thing. It's not. Mm -hmm. And don't forget, friends, that when we treat an infection, we open the infection back up right? So actually, if you're feeling worse, it actually means we're probably getting at those like deep pockets of infection and, you know, pop problems behind the scenes. Um, but, you know, I think for me at least, and this is maybe just the way I'm wired, which helps. And and because I'm also the practitioner, even though I had a village of practitioners also around me along the way, helping me, I did not do this alone. Um, 
I did a lot of it alone. I navigated a lot of it, but I had a lot of support. Um, I knew I was going to get better. I, again, didn't know how. And I think that's a very, very important distinguishing point between those who actually really get better and those who don't. Right. Mm-hmm. And there was, there was a, for me, a lot of difficulty in like, I didn't know my body. My body was like just totally different than it had ever been. And it's still, I'm still working towards it. And I remember being like, really like mean to myself again all behind the camera you guys were seeing me like doing my thing during covid and exercising and yay but like i was like deeply criticizing myself behind the scenes and then somebody posted something one day and it was like your body hears every single thing you say to it and i was like wait a minute your body hears every single thing you say to it shoot i'm saying really mean things to this body of mine that is really struggling that's doing everything i'm asking it to that i'm pushing really hard to do the work And I, I remember that day I was like, I got to do something different. Like I need to talk to myself differently. If I'm going to get anywhere, I need to think about this differently. Mm -hmm. So I was also, and you and I were talking about this offline, starting to invest in business coaches at the time. And the first business coach that I invested in had a very, very heavy mindset component. So I was doing these like really crazy, cool, subconscious um, sessions with this coach's you know, team while in the program with him. And um, that was really helpful um, looking back because it it kept me focused on where I was going. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very, very, very important thing is you got to stay focused on the end goal because it makes the current state a lot less uncomfortable. Yeah. And it, it prevents you too from just focusing on the past, which is something that we see a ton and I'm sure you do as well. We have clients that just want to repeat all that they've been through. And not that that's not important. There's a time and a place for that, of course. But if you keep repeating the story of what has happened and what hasn't worked, you're just ruminating on what hasn't worked and you're not focusing on a solution. And so looking even just the what you just said, your body hears everything that you say to it. If you're just thinking about well, I tried this and it didn't work and I tried this and it didn't work and I feel terrible doing this and this and this, your body's hearing that. And it's not thinking, oh, well, but I have a plan and I have a solution to get past this. So there's a huge mindset shift that has to occur from even the way that you think about how your symptoms have gotten you where you are today and also where are you headed after this? Completely. And I think... um those people who can take a short sort of a a looser grip on the wheel which by the way i feel like there's like a personality type which comes along with you know gut stuff also and so that's a very hard ask for a lot of these people but i think you got to trust deeply in the process as well as your practitioner and know that we are also trying to figure out your body at the same time and this stuff takes time and i think for me i was again, had support, but was basically like treating myself and like leading the ship. And I was very committed to being like, okay, like if this doesn't work, I'm going to figure it out. And if this doesn't work, and if I don't like what, you know, I'm feeling, then I'm going to go this way, you know? And so I was willing because I just knew I could feel better, you know? And I think that's the bottom line. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes dead ends are a good thing, right? If you dead end somewhere, it means you've check something off of the list. So a dead end isn't always a negative. It's a positive in that, okay, we checked that off. Let's move on to the next thing. Um, It doesn't mean it was a fail. Totally. 
And, and I think we have to look at our bodies that way, you know, and there's been so much going on in the last number of years too, right? And I think I'm seeing, we're seeing, I'm sure you are, bodies are more stuck, more, more, you know, um, I guess more stuck than I've ever seen them. You know, we have, we're using twice as strong protocols. We're using, you know, because everything is just stuck. Our bodies have been through a lot of stress, mm -hmm. right? And I often go through this exercise with clients, which is like, let's like talk about how you got here, right? Because when you're being really impatient with me and you're like snapping your fingers at me and I'm just like, hang on a minute, why don't we talk about how long it took you to get where you are and all the things that added up over time to get you where you are and how you're feeling now. And then they kind of go, oh, right right so for me my story was 20 years of add meds 20 years of never being able to stop taking it because i felt like i was being dragged behind a dumpster um you know i was exhausted and i didn't feel well and, and i was like so anxious and i'm not an anxious person by nature and i was really high strong and i can be high strong anyway but i'm not uh as high strong as i was and I knew like you have this like knowing, you know, that like something needs to change and something's not right. And you knew about the freaking carpet, you know, like you're like something's <laughs> not right. And that something could be anything. Right. And I think we either listen to those voices or we turn them down. And so when I got melanoma in 2018, I was like, shoot, like I was like, I, I know what I need to do here. I need to start digging. I need to start looking at all the things I don't want to look at. Right. And I need to start thinking about all those things that I've like, you know, tucked away and said, oh, later, or I don't want to, or whatever. And we all have these things. We all have these things in the background that we're like, you know, I like really should start to think about it, but I don't really want to. I'm urging you to make a list and to find the thing that feels the easiest to start getting going with or the hardest, however you work, whatever works for you, whatever, whatever you decide on that list and start to go after it because the longer you let it sit, the worse it gets. Right. And the more the more uncomfortable you might be and the further away from where you want to be and then trying to do the work, the longer you let it wait, the harder it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's totally true. I actually posted this on my Instagram stories today, but like you, your life is a reflection of what you consistently do, not what you occasionally do. And so I think we tend to go to these extremes for our health. Like, I'm just going to do this like crazy detox and then I'll feel better. But no, it's the consistent habits and the things that you're able to implement into your life on a daily basis. Because I think one of the biggest misconceptions when it comes to health is that like they there's an end point, but it, there's not. And it doesn't mean that you're stuck with some infection forever. You're stuck with your SIBO or your mold forever. It just means in order to take care of your body long term, there are things and habits that are helpful to incorporate on a daily, weekly, monthly, you know, whatever basis. Totally. And I say that to clients all the time. Like, I actually don't really care about the things you do occasionally. So feel free to eat the whatever it is you want to eat. Don't care. Mm -hmm. And the condiments that you like, that you're not eating very frequently, that you're not eating in excess. I also don't care about those, right? It's like what what's happening all day, every day that we actually care about because it's those things that are going to make the biggest difference in the long haul. Mm -hmm. You know, mindset, right? I'd say right now I'm harping on sleep. I am like hung up on sleep with people, you yes. know, I am like really obsessed. Um, so there's that. And then, you know, like the things you do every day, those are the two things, right? I don't care about the scale and I don't care, you know, I'm like, what's actually going on and how do you feel in your body? And that for me was the reason that I made, started to make changes. And I knew that I was going to be pretty uncomfortable in the process of making them at some point. Um, 
along the way when I was, like I said, 20 pounds heavier than I had changed nothing. I had changed nothing in my life and I was 20 pounds heavier. I just remember being like one day I was like, okay, this is where we are. Right. Like, and, and when I accepted it, things got a lot easier. I stopped trying to squeeze into the clothes that I knew I couldn't fit into. And I bought clothes that would fit. And, you know, I looked pretty good and nobody would have known that I couldn't fit into my smaller clothes. Right. It's like a lot of like balancing the ego in this Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And it was a lot less difficult to just give into it. And I think this is like the same for any kind of like healing process. Just if giving into it is actually a lot less energy than fighting it, mm-hmm. you know, I think it, it it made all the difference in the world. What I hope people are getting from this is how much your subconscious beliefs about yourself and your body, how much they affect the process. Um, I think that's really the take home here is like healing from mold, healing from any health related issue also involves your subconscious. And these are the things that you might not even realize that you are ruminating on and thinking about every single day, but those affect how you consistently show up for yourself and the thoughts that you consistently have, which therefore affects the outcome as a result. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think, you know, kindness also with yourself goes a long way. Yes. And grace. Yes. You know, quieting yourself down in any capacity you can, breathing, whatever it is, all of the above, it really helps. Mm-hmm. It totally does. So I'm glad we had no plan for this episode because I love how it turned out and I love where the conversation went. And it's always so good to hear about other people's stories um, when it comes to mold or really anything health related. So most of the people that listen to this podcast struggle with some kind of digestive issue. So let's like shift a tiny bit before we wrap up and just talk about when would it be a good idea for someone to get tested for mold if maybe they've done and we were talking about this before but maybe they've done SIBO protocols maybe they've done gi map protocols and maybe they kind of feel like they're really stuck and nothing is working so what would be some signs that maybe they should explore this mold piece um yeah we can kind of have a conversation about it yeah, yeah. So, you know, the sneakiest devil in the background that almost never shows its face is fungus, right? Fungus, the fungus among us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, mine showed up nowhere, absolutely nowhere. And I had a raging fungal problem, raging. I had no like vaginal fungus, had no white tongue, had no nothing. That was, was the same for me. Right? Like, shows up nowhere on no tests on no nothing i finally went to see again kind of wacky allergist who's a really good guy actually gave me a, like a candida injection to see if i was reactive and it blew up like crazy that was the only way that we figured it out but what i will say behind the scenes in uh any kind of like chronic dysbiosis or SIBO or anything fungus can be really persistent behind the scenes so chronic bloating um, you know, the, um, sugar cravings, sweet cravings, this anxiety, the insomnia, some of this histamine stuff. Um, but the, but even if you don't have it and you find that you have having just chronic recurrent, recurrent, recurrent SIBO infection, or SIBO infection, infection of any kind, and you can't clear it and you've done all the rest of the stuff, your thyroid looks good and your blah, blah, blah. And the rest of it, I would urge you to consider the fact that there may be behind the scenes, sorry about that. There may be, but there may be behind the scenes, um, you know, 
cause for there being more fungus in your body and in your environment, you know? Um, and this can be due to the mold thing, because as I said to you guys before, mold in the body produces fungus actually. And then the fungus produces the mold and then the mold produces the fungus. And it's this like disgusting feedback loop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like you said, it's really hard to detect. Like we rarely ever see someone with candida show up on a GI map. It's like pretty rare. And so, but someone could have all the symptoms. So it's often really helpful to test elsewhere for that. What are your thoughts or opinions on using herbals versus using pharmaceuticals? I know this is something that we talked about on Instagram a little bit, probably a couple of months ago. Now, um, where do you kind of land on that? So I actually did both. In yeah, my, um, I, I was actually, so I was actually on Nystatin for six months straight every single day mm -hmm. um, and then got anaphylactic to it. So that was a fun day. Um, then switched over to um itraconazole which which i've actually continued in my lyme journey um i think that the herbals use great we use them a lot but sometimes there really is need for pharmaceuticals i agree with you and that's the same thing as me i took nystatin and it wasn't strong enough and then i took intraconazole and it's like the fog completely lifted and so i always tell we have clients that are like i don't want to take any pharmaceuticals and i'm like sometimes you just have to bless the medicine that is available to you and it's going to help you feel so much better and there there can be this gray area of using some of these more natural supplements and also using the pharmaceuticals as well yeah they i mean look you know i'm candid about it i'm using herbs as well as antibiotics as well as itraconazole for my lime thing i you know i blended it all through throughout um you know i think the unfortunate part in this day and age is that a lot of practitioners either don't know about the mold problem and don't don't agree with it won't treat it won't even talk to you about it mm -hmm. so it's been harder to get practitioners to prescribe appropriate amounts of um phar pharmaceutical antifungals for patients so i've had to use pretty strong herbals on most of them because i can't get most of these practitioners to think that this is important yeah that's really sad um so you know hopefully some of you guys are listening and you're wondering and you know mm -hmm. reach out happy to connect you to other you know nurse practitioners and doctors who are willing to talk about this if you guys don't believe that you know we know what we're talking about there's there's a whole community of people that are like really dialed into this in addition to us yeah absolutely so um just to kind of wrap up if someone thinks that they might be struggling with this maybe they're not in a place yet where they're ready to test or they're ready to do anything about it or they're saving money or whatever it might be what are some like actionable things that they could do now to help their body or to just move the process along slightly yeah you could try a low histamine diet that should help a bit you could try a low mold low histamine diet that should give you some relief um you know again we don't want to be on those forever because that will actually do more harm to your microbiome in the long run because you know um restrictive diets do starve the microbiome in certain ways but but what's worse is the you know the reaction on behalf of the body which is like a lot of histamine storm and all of that um from this that's actually worse for the gut in the short term so you're better off actually doing the restrictive diet and then you know working with somebody to help you undo it heal the problem get to it but if you're just like i can't deal right now and i want some relief you could try that i don't typically recommend that people start like a cocktail of supplements that are generic because i just don't recommend that i'd actually rather you go through diet look up moldy foods look up low you know low histamine diet 
do what you can there. You could trial some things out, see what you're reactive to, what you're more reactive to, what you're less reactive to. Just remove the ones that you're more reactive to, play around with it, keep a journal. Um, keep in mind that with histamine stuff, you can react for up to three days. Most people react pretty quickly, but there are those lucky folks that react um, in up to three or three days. Um, the other thing I will say is that um, remembering that if you're a family of three or four people and you're living in a house that does have water damage, there may only be one person, one lucky, lucky person in the family that responds, right? And it doesn't mean that it's not real. That was you. Um, it just means that you are the lucky person who doesn't tolerate mold as well. Um, and that can be due to, you know, hormonal stuff, age, genetics, uh, other stuff going on in the body as well. It can be due to a lot of different reasons, but we often see that. I, it was a question somebody asked me yesterday on one of my Ask Me Anythings. They said, but why is only, you know, one person reacting? And that's just because it usually goes that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was the, I mean, that's the case with me. Thankfully, my husband's fine. My kids are fine, which of course I'm very grateful for. Um, and, you know, a lot of it, I think for me was probably years and years of digestive issues, which I'm thankfully past now, but um, you know, some of this I think could have come from the past and then it was just exacerbated by living in this home. I lived in so many old college dorms and sorority houses and just not good situations. So I highly doubt that this is the only exposure that I've had. I think this being postpartum and stress of running a business and also the fact that I have estrogen and my husband has much lower levels and my kids, obviously, that yeah. put me at a higher risk as well. So it all makes sense. But yeah, there's always one lucky, right? We're the lucky ones. Always. Yes. You know, and they think we're crazy, but like, we're not crazy. I mean, like we're kind of crazy, but like in this way, we're not crazy. We're telling the truth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only crazy on some things. Yeah. Okay. Well, last question that I always ask everyone is because this is the love your gut podcast, what is your favorite way to love your gut? I drink 30 ounces of fresh green juice every day that has celery, parsley, and cucumber and another green. Okay. Do you mm -hmm. juice it yourself? Mm -hmm. That is my deal with myself. Yeah. Okay. It's 30 ounces. It's one bunch of celery, one bunch of parsley, one cucumber, and one large handful of something very green. Do you go to the store like every day or do you have space to store all of that in your home? Oh, we, I, we don't have kids. So, and my husband eats in the city most days at work. So my fridge is my own. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> it's a blissful place to be, but yeah. no, I just order it. Um, I order my produce. I don't go to the grocery store very often. I order from Fresh Direct. I'm such a fangirl. And um, that's like a Northeastern thing. And um that was my deal with myself. Um, actually, when I started treat, being treated for Lyme, and I gotta say, juicing is one of the best things you can do for your gut. Even though people give it a bad rap, the soluble fiber is wonderful, and it's great for just regulating bowels as well as providing like just super nutrients. Um, so, love yeah. it. Yeah, I, do I have that. a juicer that's probably collecting dust in my cabinet, so maybe I should pull it out. <laughs> I'm inspiring you, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I used to juice actually like a carrot, a tomato, and I can't remember what else, maybe an apple. Uh, my brother-in-law is an acupuncturist and apparently in Chinese medicine, that is like, I can't remember why. So for any of you listening, don't like quote me on this, but it was like some special concoction that was like good for something. And so for a while I was doing that and I actually really liked the taste of it more than anything. I don't think I really noticed a difference in how I felt, but it tasted good. So whatever. Um, it's great. It's just, it's a great way to just add so much more nutrition. 
Yeah. Um, so just be careful of how much fruit you put in it. Yeah. Love it. Well, thank you so much for joining. This was fantastic and hopefully really helpful for people that are curious about mold. I've know I've gotten so many questions on mold on Instagram since I started talking about it. So I'm glad to provide this resource. So tell everyone where they can find you and how to follow along in what you do. So you can find us um, at Isabel Smith Nutrition on Instagram. Um, we also have a podcast called The Well Fuel Podcast, which also has its own handle, but we post on um, social. And, um, you know, reach out if you have questions. We have a lot of information about mold and, you know, related things. And we'd love to chat if you guys have questions. Thanks okay. for having Yeah. Thanks for joining. As always, please note that this episode or anything discussed on this podcast is not a substitution for medical advice, and you should always consult your health practitioner before trying anything new. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Love Your Gut podcast. I have a new quiz that I am so excited for you to take. It is called, Which Popular Song Describes Your Gut Health Issues? So if you're ready to find out if you're a slowdown by Lennon Stella or Don't Stop Believing by Journey in the world of gut health, it's time to head over to drheatherfinley.co backslash quiz to take this new quiz and find out if your gut is rocking and rolling or more of a slow jam. And until next time, remember to love your gut so it will love you back.